This is your host, Mary Swafield, and welcome to the Wedpreneur Podcast. Join me and my guests each week as I take a deep dive into wedding business best practices, examine challenges facing our industry, and interview wedding industry experts and thought leaders who will share their strategies for taking your wedding business to the next level. Whether you're new in the industry or a seasoned pro, each episode is filled with valuable information aimed to help you build and grow the wedding business that you are dreaming about. I'm ready if you are, so let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. I'm your host, Mary Swafield, and I am so thrilled to be here with you today. We are welcoming an amazing guest to the show today. Kevin Elizabeth is a wedding photographer based in San San Diego, California. In addition, she is an educator and an avid blogger of wedding planning tips for brides and grooms. Kevin focuses on teaching couples how to make well informed wedding plans that are ideal for photography. She believes that couples who plan their weddings with photography in mind and the couples are the couples who receive the most beautiful images. Kevin recently published her first book, A Bride's Guide to a Picture-Perfect Wedding, which gives couples the tools to plan their wedding with photography in mind. The easy-to-follow book focuses on the three major components of the wedding timeline, guiding brides from the planning months to the wedding itself and the days following. I can't wait to share this interview with you, you guys, because Kevin is so smart and so sweet. Her tips on creative ways to educate clients are extremely valuable. It's something I'm very passionate about. I feel sometimes that we assume that our clients are going to understand the process that we do our services, and they often don't, and they don't really know what they're looking for or which questions to ask. And so it falls upon us in the wedding industry to educate them so that they can make informed decisions when they're hiring their wedding team. This is something that Kevin excels at. And we talk a lot about the way she does that throughout the show, but I want to encourage you to also come up with creative ways to educate your own clients so that they come to you with expectations that are realistic, easy to achieve, and that makes everybody happy. Without further ado, welcome Kevin to the show. Kevin, welcome to the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you're here, and I have given our listeners your official bio at the top of the show, but I would love it if you could share a little bit about yourself, your role in the industry, where you live, all of those good details in your own words. Absolutely. So I am a wedding photographer. My business is Cavan Elizabeth Photography. I'm based in San Diego, but I shoot all over the country, um, hopefully one day all over the world. But that's pretty much the gist of it. I focus only on weddings for the most part. That's really just my uh, bread and butter where my heart and soul is. And it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. That's amazing. So I'm excited that you're here today because we're actually not going to talk specifically about photography, although we certainly can if you want to. (laughs) Um, But what we're going to talk about today is how to educate clients. And I think this is a really fascinating topic. So can you start by telling us what you mean by educating clients? What do we need to educate them about? Anything and everything is my short answer. (laughs) So I guess uh, one thing that I will say is educating clients is something that is very, very, like, important in my business. I think that the more you educate, the less work you have to do later on 
whether it be in dealing with unexpected surprises or just being bombarded by the same questions from different clients over and over and over. So I think that if you can take the time to educate your couples about what to expect along the way or even pain points that have come up with past clients, things like that, I think that you can really cut out a lot of work for yourself later on down the road as well as provide a much better experience for your clients. That's a really good point. And I think that, you know, I talk a lot about managing expectations. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges I find is that sometimes I think we forget that our clients really don't know anything about what we do, (laughs) or about weddings in general, (laughs) other than what they've Googled, right? Right? Yes. Okay. So you touched upon why you think it's important in terms of saving us sort of a headache later down Mm -hmm. the road, which I think is really important. But I do you find also that it's, it helps you market to couples? I think indirectly, yes, it does. I think that, you know, when I look around at certain colleagues in the industry and see the people who are not really educating so much, I definitely see a big difference there with what I experience. So I find that my clients really appreciate that I take the time to educate them. And that's actually something that they will write in their reviews. Like we loved how much she taught us about all these different things. It really helped us to understand this and why we should do this and why this is important. So I know it's something that they really value. So for me personally, I have an ideal bride who is very type A, like just really trusts her vendors, but is very on top of things, likes to know what's going on. So when I'm already starting to put pieces of educational information on my website and my blog, those sorts of brides are picking up on that and it really attracts them to me. Yes, I would say so because really what you've done is you've ex- you've you're establishing yourself as an expert in your field, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Absolutely. that when when we talk about marketing and the struggles currently that so many wedding pros have in standing out amongst all of the noise that's out there um, and being able to stand apart from competitors, I think it's really important that we understand that the onus is on us to be able to show our value and show our expertise. And I will tell you, I did check you out a lot on your (laughs) social media and on your website before this interview. And I was quite blown away. Like you really have focused on this in so much of what you do. Mm hmm. So where would you start if you were to do it all over again? Or when you started it for yourself, how did you decide what to focus on in terms of what to educate them on? How did you identify? Was it based on the questions you were being asked the most or the pain points you'd heard about? How did you know where to focus? Yeah, so both of those. Um, I would say when I first started out, I just started blogging tips for couples that had to do with photography or just wedding planning in general without trying to step into that wedding planner role Um, because I didn't have that much to show in terms of my own work. So Mm -hmm. I just thought, hey, I'll just start blogging information that I would want my clients to know. And then as I started picking up more and more weddings, I either started getting the same questions over and over. And it got to the point where I was like, this is so annoying. Why does everyone (laughs) ask this? And then I'm like, oh, because they have no idea what's going on because they don't do this all the time. Um, So that and then also just things that I even learned from seeing other people's mistakes. So if you're ever in those, you know, forums on Facebook where 
where it's like a wedding photographer group or a wedding planner group. And you see people talking about their nightmare stories. I always learn from those and then say, how can I prevent this in my own business? And then I write a blog about it or I add something new into my workflow or my contract, those sorts of things. So that's really, you know, where it started out for me. That's amazing. I think that is so wonderful and strategic. And you're right. Those groups are, they really are full of those, oh my goodness, you guys, (laughs) the worst thing just happened to me. And I do think it's really important for us all to pay attention to those things and find the ways that we can mitigate that kind of risk in our businesses. So I love that you're doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. So Okay, the wedding industry is sometimes seen as less than trustworthy by the public, largely thanks mm-hmm. to the bad behavior of <laughs> a small number of dishonest companies and yes. or the media yes. um, who you know love to portray us as the ultimate villains. Um, yes. <laughs> but I feel that sometimes wedding pros hesitate to educate their couples because they feel it won't necessarily be received well. Like they might feel that we're trying to educate them in order to make them spend more money or that we're going to come across as being condescending. So how do you overcome that risk? I think that is really mostly in your approach. So for me, if I am writing something like an email about what my clients should wear for engagement sessions, and that was something that came from a pain point of them constantly showing up in really bad clothing. And so I was like, I need to write an email because they have no idea. Again, they've never done this before. So I think it's how you approach it. So like, hi guys, um, I just wanted to give you a few tips on this. Like this is normally what I think does best. And then you can always put little disclaimers like, you know, to each his own, whatever, that sort of thing. Just trying to say like, you don't have to do these things, but these are just what I've found works the best. So I think if you take it from an approach of you're really trying to help them out and you're not trying to tell them what to do, or you're not, coming from a place where they're going to feel like you think that they are not intelligent. I think that that is the best way to handle it. And then, you know, write some templates out or write like a PDF that you can send to people and then just go over it a couple times, maybe have a friend read it, make sure it doesn't come off as really bossy or condescending. And I really think that that's just the way to go. That sounds great. I love that advice. Okay. So You've done some really creative work around this, which I kind of hinted about. Um, I want to talk about that in a second. But before we do, I wanted to ask, you're obviously investing a lot of time and energy into this component of your business. It's quite Mm -hmm. amazing, really. How do you know that it's working? Like, have you, what has the result of this strategy been for you? Has, do you find that it's just your, your job is easier and your clients are happier? Or what's the end result so far of all of this strategy that you've implemented? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, what I have seen is less work on my part later down the road. So the great thing, I'll just break into a small tangent. The great thing (laughs) with educational resources is that when you turn them into templates or, you know, eBooks, PDFs, whatever you name it, once it's done and all you have to do is email it to your client and maybe you even have some sort of auto email system set up with like a client software management program. Once that is done, all you have to do is email it and then they just get it and everything starts to work on its own. So I found that by investing a little bit of time up front and creating those resources that I have less work later on down the road of trying to answer questions 
questions that they might have. So for example, um, after every wedding, every client would always email me two weeks after the wedding and say, when are we going to get our photos? When are we going to get our photos? When are we going to get them? And I was like, why in the world does everyone keep asking this? Like it's in their contract. Like we talked about this you know, a year ago. And it's just because people forget or they don't remember that sort of thing. And so now after every email that Monday, um, I send out something that just congratulates them. And then it lets them know, Hey, your images are going to be ready in six to eight weeks. So just things like that, that I've set up, save me time and save questions from clients, or even it just makes them happier because they know what's going on. They know what to expect at every step of the process. So there's very little guessing or wondering on their part. And I think the main result of that is that I have more time to work on other projects and then that my clients are also happier because they are more at ease. I love that. There's so much in there that I want to unpack because (laughs) I am a huge systems girl. I teach a course on systems and it is amazing to me how life-changing it can be when you start to automate parts of your business, right? Yes. And it's not only on our end, but the client satisfaction goes through the roof just because we forget, we forget when we're doing, you know, 10 or 20 or however many weddings a year, we forget that that one couple is only doing their one wedding. And so they are (laughs) so focused on it and they are thinking about it all the time. It's funny, um, my business partner, Jana, in my wedding planning company, she recently got engaged and the craziest thing happened when he put that ring on her finger is she switched hats and suddenly became the bride. And she talks all the time about how she literally can't stop thinking and worrying and stressing about this wedding, (laughs) even though she's planned a million weddings herself. So I think we sometimes forget that these couples just, they don't have the experience we have. And so they need us to hold their hand and walk them down the path of what the experience is going to be like. And the more we can do that through education, through our, you know, our marketing, our website, our blog, our information packages, our contracts, the more we can remind them and walk them down that path, the happier they're going to be. Because ultimately, they just want to know what's going to happen next, right? They just want to know what to expect. And I think it's the unknown that creates like anxious or unhappy clients. I 100% agree. And it's funny you say that uh, because I myself am recently engaged and I have really appreciated the vendors that we've hired who have answered my questions before I even have a chance to ask them. So I just want to be told what's going on. I don't want to have to ask. If I have to ask like that, makes me take time out of my day to have to email you, have to sit down, have to think about things. So I've really appreciated the vendors that I've worked with, with categories that I'm maybe not as familiar with, like the venue side of things or just stuff that I'm not in the know of as a photographer. I have loved when they have sent me information, like here's what's going to happen. Here's what this process is like. Here's what I need from you. And here's when this is going to like happen. So I've really enjoyed that. But we also have some vendors who aren't really doing that. And I'm having to send them all these emails and I feel really annoying, but if they were to just send me something at the booking process or something to let me know what is happening, I would completely appreciate that. So I find even as a bride myself, I really appreciate those vendors who are educating me. And it's something that I think, 
you know, you can't really over-educate. I think it's a lot harder to over-educate and a lot easier to under-educate. So, mm. you know, you don't need to be afraid of giving your clients too much information. Like the worst that's going to happen is they're just not going to read it. I mean, I'm not saying like email them every single day. That's <laughs> a bit much, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, like it would be kind of hard to send them too much information as long as it's helpful and it's something that they need to know or something that makes their lives easier. It would be better to send a few too many bits of information than not enough. Absolutely. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I actually, I love it when wedding professionals get married because I feel like it's such a fascinating experience to be on the other side of things. So um, I could tell you for sure my business partner, Jenna, she is my current guinea pig because I am like, you have to tell me everything about your experience with yes. everyone and how you're feeling at every moment of the day. And <laughs> and she was she's just like, Mary, oh, my gosh, like, you have to just let me enjoy this. And I'm like, well, of course you have to enjoy it. But I love it. I think it's great. Um, OK, so you mentioned that you use a uh, CRM. Do you mind sharing which one you're using currently? Sure. I use 17 hats and I've been using them. I'm pretty sure since they began. Wow. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. So I think that the, the most amazing thing that has happened in recent years, I feel, or maybe I was just late getting on that train is that so many of these CRMs are expanding into uh, the the capabilities to be able to send automated emails and really mm-hmm. implement workflow. So they're not just I use I used to use Seventeen Hats quite a bit, and but that was way back when I think there were mostly an accounting program. Like there wasn't a ton of of workflow uh, capabilities to it, but they've really come a long way. And yes. so I think that really there is literally no excuse for wedding professionals these days to not have some automation in their business. And the opportunity then is for us to use that automation to really educate clients, especially I think when it comes to deadlines and when mm-hmm. they can expect to receive things from us or hear from us. Um, right. I think that, you know, the biggest gap that I that I see in the wedding industry when I hear about uh, wedding professionals who are dealing with unhappy clients or whatever is that gap between what they expected was going to be happening and what mm-hmm. actually happened. And I feel strongly that it's upon us to to bridge that gap before it gets to the point that we have unhappy clients. Exactly. Um, okay, so I'm sure everyone is dying to hear about everything that you've accomplished in terms of uh, how you're educating clients. So I'm wondering if you can talk us through some of the different creative ways that you're using to educate clients. Um, I have a couple written down, but I'm going to let you start with what you want to start <laughs> with, and then we can get inspired, maybe inspire our audience a little bit in terms of how they can maximize all of the platforms available to them to do this educating. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I guess for my business, there are two different ways that I educate clients um, or two different methods. So one is more public and one is more private. And I'll start with the private. And what I mean by that is stuff that gets directly emailed to my couples. It's not out on my website. It's not out for the world to see. It's just sent to them. So it's something I've created only for my special brides and grooms. So that's typically in the form of PDFs that I send them. So for example, I send one on, um, you know, different ways that they can prepare for their engagement session. And I'm a firm believer that 
um, at least when it comes to photography, the success of the wedding photos is 80% photographer, 20% the couple, um, because I can bring my A game, but if they're not sort of meeting me <laughs> a little bit, mm-hmm. not quite towards the middle, but just going a little bit um, out of their way to make an effort to do certain things, um, that's that's when we really see the best photos. So if they're just showing up, they didn't dress well, they didn't put effort into it, or you know they're just not listening to me, those sorts of things, it's just not going to be as great. So I give that PDF out, my couples love it, and I also do similar things um, with other types of topics for PDFs, stuff to send them. Um, Sometimes I also will send them visual checklists that they can print off if they want to do that. So those are a couple of the things that I send out privately. Um, And in terms of publicly, my blog is really the biggest place where I educate the world of bride and grooms. So years ago, again, when I was first getting started, I started to blog different tips for couples to help them have better wedding photos, whether that be doing something directly for photography or indirectly. So just choosing a better hotel room to get ready in. Um, And so I started doing those blogs about once a week. And that's something that for the most, um, most of the time I am doing these days. Um, I've sort of taken a break here and there because I mean, I just can't write (laughs) three plus years worth of content every single week. Like it starts to just like run out of ideas in my head, but that's, I would say really the main thing that I was doing until I wrote my book. Your book. What a great segue. (laughs) Okay. So first let's talk about the blog and then we're going to segue right into that book because I really am excited to talk about it. So I checked out your blog and I was like literally blown away. I was like, where does this girl get all of these great ideas? And (laughs) there's so much, even for me as, you know, an experienced wedding professional, I was like, wow, there is so much value here. I could probably learn so much just by reading all this. I didn't have the time to go through and read it all. But do you find, like, do you get a lot of comments? Are you finding that, um, how, how, what's the reward? Like, do you, do you know that people are reading for, first of all, Yes. So I do know that people read my blog. Um, Not many people comment on it, which I think is fairly common. And it's sad because people don't take the time to comment on blogs. But I know that people are reading it. And um, I often will have clients of mine reference it in emails or something like that. So that is definitely some you know, feedback that I've gotten that people are actually seeing it, that in Google Analytics. Awesome. Do you have a favorite blog post that you've written or one that you found was like the most impactful so far? Mm. Um, <laughs> pretty much nothing specific, but whichever ones that I am able to just link to in an email to my clients when they ask me questions like ahead of time, uh, like way before they need to ask me those questions. <laughs> so that's really like where I pull from. If I don't feel like typing out a new email, I just say, oh, I have a great article on this. Let me send it to you. So that is, I think, what you call evergreen content. Yes. So evergreen content is something that you can write once and then you can refer to it over and over and over again as a way of saving yourself time. And then you've also got this really great resource that you can even add onto over time as you learn new things or improve it, whatnot. 
That's amazing. And I want to reemphasize that whole. We're going to we're going to repeat that little bit because I think that's really critical for people to hear, which is when you write these very informative and educational blog posts, you can refer to them over and over and over and over again. And not only does that save you time and the energy of having to constantly repeat yourself because honestly, I cannot tell you how many times I've written an email to my clients explaining the same concept over and over and over again. So, I would have been way smarter if I I would have taken a page out of Kevin's book and well, not literally your book, but your strategy and created uh, a blog post about it. And not only that, there's like a triple threat benefit here because when you're sending your clients these emails linking back to your blog, you're improving your SEO and getting yes. lots of traffic to your website and so many good things. Yes, That's it is amazing. definitely has multiple benefits. Um, and I guess like you might be asking this, but I don't want to forget to say it um, to anybody who thinks that this sounds like of an overwhelming process or, oh, like I don't have anything to say. What would I talk about? Like, how could I do this? My answer to that is always think of the things that you are constantly telling your couples or think of the things that they do that constantly annoy you, which I know <laughs> sounds bad, but like, I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then turn those into posts and you don't have to write a thousand words, shoot for maybe 300 if it's going to go on your blog. Um, that's just a good rule of thumb for SEO, but just take it slow. Maybe write one or two a month. Like it doesn't have to be crazy, but that's really the place that you can start with is thinking about what you're constantly telling them and what they're constantly doing that you don't like or that you would like to prevent. And then just turn those into posts. And then they don't have to be perfect from the start. You can improve them over time. But that is really where my blog was built. Um, And it just grew from there. And I have, you know, hundreds of blog posts educating couples. And it's not like I wrote them even in one or two years. It's a multi-year process. And every time I thought of something new, I would just write something new. That's such great advice. And I can tell you that I am uh, guilty of constantly neglecting my blog for my wedding planning (laughs) company, which is really ironic because I love to write. And um, it's just one of those things that always seems to take the back burner, right? But um, I love that idea that if you just start slow, you don't have to start writing five blog posts a week or even one a week. And I think we just become overwhelmed with this concept of I have to do it. But it's I find it's like everything else. I'm currently committed in the Wedpreneur website to blogging every single week. And I find that once I've committed to it and I start doing it with practice, it gets a lot easier too. Um, And I think one of the comments I hear from wedding uh, professionals that I work with and coach all the time is, well, I don't have anything new to say, but I try to remind them you don't have to, it doesn't have to be new. You have a different take on what it is that you're saying, even if it's been said before and your audience is looking towards you. They're not looking at other people. So I think that it's important, even if you feel like someone has written about the best five ways to pose yourself or whatever. I really know nothing about wedding photography, so just (laughs) ignore me. But um, like if they, of course, it's been written about before. There's really nothing new under the sun, but nobody's written about it the way that you're going to write about it. 
Exactly. I think that's a very important consideration. And, you know, for those times when you really truly cannot think of a thing to blog, what I like to do is I like to go on Reddit and look at the wedding planning forum and look for questions that brides are asking each other and then think about the stuff that would be good to turn into a blog. Or I'll go on a similar forum on The Knot or Wedding Bee, like all those places. I'll just start searching. And that has really also helped me fill in some gaps of things that I never would have thought about that I can use when I have zero ideas left in my brain. That is a brilliant tip. I just wrote that down because I think that's an amazing. <laughs> and it's so funny because sometimes it's a little bit, you think like, why didn't I think of that? But the <laughs> yeah. truth is, if you're going to create content, you want to make sure it's content that is valuable to people, that people need, that's going to help serve your client better, right? So mm-hmm. searching out those forums that we, you know, we all have a love-hate relationship with them in general, <laughs> but searching them out and finding what the couples are talking about and what questions they're asking, I think think is Mm -hmm. of huge value. That's a great tip. So the other thing I noticed that you do to educate your clients, which I am so in awe of, because this is honestly between you and me and whoever's listening, this has been on my to-do list forever, but you have actually done it and done it really well. And that's your YouTube channel. (laughs) It's on again, off again. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. It's on now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. It's, It's a big undertaking. I would say way more than a blog, um, just in the sense that I actually have to put on makeup and do my hair for it. Isn't that <laughs> because so most days I don't <laughs> see anybody other than my fiance. So I feel like that's for me the biggest hurdle to doing that. Um, and then, you know, filming the video and then realizing that everything you filmed was out of focus. And so you had oh. to do it again or your mic was like not on. So it, that's like a very challenging project, which is why I took basically a year and a half off, but it's on now. So hopefully it'll stay on for a while. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know what I love about it? I, you know, I find that in the wedding industry, we tend to not use video as often as we should. Mm-hmm. Given all of the stats about how how many people are doing their research through YouTube and um I know I've I literally go on YouTube every day and I have all these great ideas of what I could do and I just <laughs> never really get started. So I hear you on that. But when I looked at yours, I was immediately struck with there's so much power to putting a face to the company, right? And to hear you speak, and you just give this feeling, just so you know, this might be really cheesy sounding, but you give this feeling of warmth and um, knowledge. So as I was watching it, I was like, I would totally hire this girl. (laughs) (laughs) um, And I think think that's what's so important about the power of, of using video in your marketing. And to piggyback that on top of what you're already doing on your blog, I think is just brilliant. Yeah, I think video is one of those things that not that many people in our industry are doing. So if you can be one of those people to get yourself to do it, you really have a strong hold in that form of marketing. And again, like sometimes I email my clients, you know, direct YouTube video links to answer their questions and stuff like that. So I think, you know, if you're ever thinking about doing video, do it now. And honestly, like, 
they don't have to be that fancy. I know for me, I have a better camera than most people probably have unless they're photographers. And I know a little bit more about lighting, but things really don't have to be perfect on YouTube. So I hear that as an excuse a lot for why people haven't done it yet, but I would rather see somebody put out a video that was just good enough where the content was really what shines than not do it at all. Yeah. And I think that oh, in this industry, we are such perfectionists, you know, <laughs> so it's hard for us not to be like, oh, and I have to get the lighting and I have to make sure I have a script written and I have to, all of those things, because those are literally the things that I say to myself all the time. And <laughs> it's really hard to not want to perfect it, especially when you're representing mm -hmm. your brand, right? You feel so much pressure about that. But the reality is what people are responding to more and more is authenticity. They're not looking for perfect anymore. They're looking for uh, genuine people and they're looking for good information and they will mm -hmm. forgive the imperfections of the production if the content yes. is really good. Absolutely. And I think even for me, one of the reasons that I got burnt out on it a year and a half ago was because I was writing too much of a script. I was really just focusing too much on making it perfect and it didn't last very long <laughs> that I wanted to keep doing it. So now I just have in my head a few loose talking points and I let it go more organically. If I do a take that I don't like, I just pause for a few seconds and then I start it over again. And for me, that's helped keep me from burning out. Um, and another tip that I have for you guys, if you're thinking about doing some videos is film several in one sitting. So you would never really know it, but most of the videos on my channel are filmed on the same days. I just change shirts and I change my hair like just ever so slightly. Sometimes I put on a different lipstick color. So I just do a bunch of one day and it's so much easier if you can knock them out like that than if you try to set everything up like all the time. Yes, definitely. And I find, you know what, honestly, I find the same way with podcasting. So I completely agree with that. And I think that you get into a zone, right? Whenever we do batch yes. work like that, we tend to get the focus really going and then we get into this zone and we start to feel really comfortable with it. So it's way better than starting over every single week and trying to get into that zone again every single week or whatever it might be. Yes. Okay. So now we've come to my favorite question of all. <laughs> I heard a rumor that you have written a book. I did. <laughs> that it came out in so January. <laughs> so amazing. Okay. So first of all, what is your book about? So it is a book all about wedding photography, but written for brides and grooms. So it's basically a very refined expansion of the content on my blog that will ultimately give brides the tools that they need to plan their wedding in a certain way, such that their photos become better as a result of those plans. So again, this is something for me that I've already mentioned where I think the success of wedding photos is 80% photographer, 20% the couple. So this book is really teaching them how to like maximize that 20%. That's so great. I, first of all, writing a book is on my bucket list. So you are my new hero. <laughs> um, how did you come up with this idea? Yeah. So I think maybe a couple months into when I first started blogging those tips for couples, I thought like, why don't I turn this into some sort of ebook? And then as I started putting an outline together and started writing up these chapter ideas, I thought, why don't I turn this into an actual physical book and an ebook? Um, and so it really just evolved from there. So, okay, here's a big question. How long did it take you to write this book? 
Yeah, so in total, it was about three years from start to finish. Um, but I pretty much took it slow in the first two years. I had just moved to San Diego from DC. And so I wanted to focus mostly on building my business and booking brides and um, gaining relationships with different vendors in town. So I would pretty much focus one day a month on the book, whether it be writing a chapter, or editing a chapter. And that way I made it very manageable for myself. So I know between like the blog and the YouTube and the book, like it probably sounds like, Oh my God, like she's crazy. How does she do all this? Well, one systems and automation, but two, I really time things out so they don't ever feel too much on me. Um, so I pretty much took it slow. And then this last year, things really, really ramped up. I started taking it much faster and now I'm here and I've got it published. So I have to ask, what did it feel like to actually hold the first physical copy? Like how exciting was that day? (laughs) It was very exciting. It was also very much a relief because I was so (laughs) ready for the production side to be over and the marketing side to be like starting. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) So um, did you, for the content of the book, did you, were you able to pull a lot of that content from the blog? I know you had mentioned that the blog was kind of the inspiration for it all to begin with. So did you have to rewrite a lot or were you able to really pull from some of the content you already had? So I, I can't even remember how much of my blog is in the book at this point, but I definitely will say that I did have to write a lot of new content to fill in different gaps or to give a much more well-rounded feeling to the book. So just for example, the book starts with how to choose a photographer. It goes to the engagement session. It goes to planning for the wedding, and then it goes to each part of the wedding day itself. And then all the things after the wedding. So albums, prints, even anniversary sessions. So I didn't have content on my blog for all of that. So for what I didn't have, I had to fill in. And then for what I took from my blog and brought it into the book, I just had to refine it. I had to adapt it from blog form to book form. So taking out links or um, saying like, you know, in last week's blog, I talked about this because that (laughs) wouldn't make sense in the book. So, you know, you can't just copy paste. You definitely have to refine. And some of the things, you know, between the three years that I had been working on my blog, I was like, why did I tell couples this? Like my opinion now is so different. Um, And I think it was just because now I'm a lot more established and I have a better idea of what I want for myself and from my couples. So I also, you know, made some improvements to my suggestions. And so that was really, you know, a very complex process in that sense. But I will say that it definitely helped having the blog content to really get me started. Wow. I am quite in awe. That's amazing. I can't even (laughs) imagine, even though it's on my bucket list, like I think I will probably like write some cheesy teenage romance novel. I don't think I'm going to write like a how to be or how to plan your wedding. I just, I'll leave that to the experts. But, um, so what's the reaction been so far? Like, have you, do you find that your couples are really excited? How did you promote it? Okay. That's two questions. How has the reaction been? We'll start with that one. Yeah, it's been really great. Um, I've heard from brides and grooms as well as other wedding professionals that I know. And then I've even gotten really great reception from photographers who (laughs) have told me I want to gift this to my brides because you talk about everything that I would want to cover. So that was something that for me was a little bit surprising, but definitely a good surprise. But so far, everyone has loved it. Um, And I will say before I published the book, I did make sure that I had different sets of eyes read it. So I had my fiance, I had a past bride read it, I had a current bride read it, I had a wedding 
wedding planner read it. So I was really trying to set myself up for as much success as possible. So thankfully, those people helped me out, helped me round out the book so that it can now have this really great reception from all of the people who are reading it. That's so great. Do you... Okay, so when I go to your website, you're marketing it on your website, of course, as you should. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you're getting more traffic to your website? Is it helping your marketing? Um, Is it helping you establish yourself more as sort of that voice of expertise in your market? I definitely think it's starting to. So I guess at this point now, the book has been available for purchase for people to have in their hands for probably about a month and a half. So um, still fairly new into the process, but I will say already that, you know, it's especially for the people who hadn't heard of it. They're like, oh, oh my gosh, like that's so cool. Like it's amazing. And I definitely, I'm not a person to just walk around on the streets and shout out like I wrote a book, but I try (laughs) to put it in wherever it feels appropriate and not too, um, too braggy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm just, I tend to be a little bit more of a shy person, but I do try to put it in where, you know, it's appropriate. So anytime I get a new wedding inquiry, you know, I've just worked that into my template, like, oh, and like, by the way, you can check out this book that I wrote on wedding planning tips for better photos for couples. So just things like that, that I hadn't thought about initially, but I find has been a great tool for me because people who have just now heard of me are hearing about the book in this very personal way. That's great. Okay. So obviously not all of our listeners are going to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) But if someone out there is listening and they think that this is the most brilliant idea ever and they are inspired to start the process of writing a book, what advice would you give them? um, Take it slow. Um, if you are the kind of person who gets overwhelmed easily or you have a lot going on or you just don't want to feel all of the stress of writing a book all at one time, take it slow. Take it at your own pace, whether it be that you write a chapter a month like I did and then when you're done with that, edit a chapter a month or maybe you want to do one a week or you know one a season, whatever it needs to be. It's better to take your time and take it slow than not even start it at all. That's great advice. I think I will take that advice into consideration myself (laughs) when I write my teenage romance novel. (laughs) Um, Okay, this has been so informative and so inspiring. I just know that the audience is brainstorming ways to implement these strategies in terms of how to educate their clients. And I love that we brought in the whole systems and processes piece, because I think that they really do go hand in hand in so many ways. And, you know, I feel like some people maybe hesitate to do a lot of the so-called educating of their clients because they worry about how hard it's going to be to create that Mm -hmm. content or to communicate it to their clients without sounding bossy or whatever. So I feel like implementing systems to help you along the way, it was a really great tip. And I think that the value is really clear because it's, we have such a stressful job. All of us in this wedding industry have such a stressful (laughs) job and it's so high pressure and the stakes are really high all the time. And often our clients are 
mostly lovely, but sometimes they can be a challenge. And the mm-hmm. idea that you've gotten ahead of that, you've put in, you've put yourself ahead of all of those challenges and tried to mitigate them through education, I think is a really powerful lesson that we can all probably continue to work on in our businesses. So I'm so thrilled that you were able to come on to the podcast today and share your story. You're so inspiring. Like I'm quite in awe of you. Oh my gosh. Stop it. (laughs) If uh, our audience would like to purchase your book, where can they find it? Yeah. So it is primarily available on Amazon and the book itself is called A Bride's Guide to a Picture Perfect Wedding. Um, But don't worry if you're a groomer vendor, it could also be very great for you to read. Um, And it is available on Amazon in paperback as well as Kindle format. And then if you like the eBooks, but you don't do the Kindle, you can also find it on iTunes as well as Barnes and Noble. Okay, that's awesome. I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well so that everybody can click on it. I encourage everyone to go and buy the book. I know I'm going to buy the book because I just feel like I have to know everything about what you're writing right now. (laughs) Um, I also will include a link to your website and Instagram. So where can they find you there? Yep. So website is cavinelizabeth.com and then Instagram is at cavinelizabeth. Perfect. Well, Kevin, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you for one last piece of advice. So what is one thing that you've learned in all of your years in the industry that you wish you could go back and teach your very younger self when you started? Oh, probably how to say no. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like an entirely new episode that we have to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) But that would be it. (laughs) Okay. Can you expand a tiny bit? What, say no to absolutely um so i guess i'll say when i even throughout my entire life until i became a business owner i said yes to every request anyone ever asked me i took on jobs or projects that weren't right for me or overwhelmed me and i was just saying yes to everything and then when i became a business owner um, I was still saying yes to everything, and that really led to a lot of burnout and negativity on my part. And so I, over time, forced myself to start to say no to things that weren't good for me or that I didn't have time to do um, or anything under the sun, just something that was a red flag or, or some sort of uh, thing that was holding me back um, by taking on that project. I am now able to say no to things that aren't a great fit for me or that I don't have time for, and that has been a huge huge, um, just like, I guess, sigh of relief for me and just has fueled me with so much more energy and time for the things that I really do want to do or am just passionate about. That's awesome. And obviously you're doing plenty. So (laughs) saying no hasn't slowed you down at all. And I think it's such a valuable lesson. And I mean it, we could probably do a whole other podcast about that because I am the queen of yes. And I feel like I'm a recovering uh, people pleaser. And that is something (laughs) I am 100% working on in my business is not saying yes to everything. So that's great advice. (laughs) And I think it really ties in with everything else that you've talked about today as well. And uh, it's just been such a true pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Well, that's it for today's interview. I hope you enjoyed it. What a lovely, lovely person Kevin is. And I love her enthusiasm for all things educating clients. I hope you got some great tips. I know that I took away a lot of information. I jotted down a lot of notes, as seems to be the usual these days. Part of why I love doing this podcast is I get to learn so much as well. Be sure to check out her work. Her her photographs are stunning to begin with, but also her blog is very inspiring. And I even checked 
checked out her YouTube channel, as I mentioned, and it's great. I love what she said, particularly about sometimes you just have to get started and not worry about perfection. That is something that I'm trying to do in my own business all the time. In fact, I can tell you that the intro to this episode is not perfect, but I decided it was better to just go with the flow instead of constantly trying to force myself to be super perfect. So I definitely learned something from Kevin during this, and I hope you did too. Once again, I truly appreciate you uh, listening to the show and all of the support that I've received so far. I encourage you to subscribe and share it with anybody you think might benefit from this podcast. I really, truly believe that the more we can educate and support one another in this industry, the better off we will all be. Thank you again for joining me and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Wedpreneur Podcast. I'm so incredibly grateful to all of my listeners and would like to take a moment to invite you to keep the conversation going. Head on over to my free online community at thewedpreneur.com forward slash join. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word by leaving us an honest review on iTunes. I appreciate each and every one of you and welcome your feedback. Until next time.